We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky, and I'm I'm wondering whether we're even supposed to be doing this show or not as we're trying to get started. The mics are falling off the stands. and <laughs> I know. That we almost had a mic-related injury. It was close. I think the closest right. we've ever been. <laughs> that was pretty. But, but, you know, Dr. Nagel once, years ago, he was speaking at a pastor's conference, and he actually got his tongue stuck in his teeth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, no, must have like awkward. a partial or something. <laughs> it is awkward. <laughs> and, and, but it, I, I, I'm glad it happened because... Because he said something that I'll never forget. He said, ah, so is this a sign from God that maybe I'm not supposed to be giving this presentation, you know, that my tongue stuck within my my partial? And he said, well, we don't know because we don't have a word of God, he said. And (laughs) so, yes. So, yes, I remember. So don't ever judge by anything that happens in your life. Unless you got a word of God, we don't know. It might be God encouraging you to work a little harder, uh, to try a little more. That might be what it's all about. It might not be a sign that you should give up. And we are not giving up here, are we, Matt? Even with the Falling microphone. <laughs> By the way, it was John's mic, not mine. Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Throw me under the bus, will you? Oh, speaking of which, I am John Lekomsky. I'm a former pastor at St. Paul's in Trinity, uh, and you are uh, Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. I am uh, not past- not quite so young blood anymore. More middle aged no, blood. No, no, no. It's only my tenth birthday. Okay, <laughs> only my tenth birthday this February 29th, leap day. Yeah. So I can be young, right? So uh, and uh, yes. Uh, serving at Ascension Lutheran Church, if I haven't said that already, in uh, picturesque South St. Louis. And eating the the, uh, the the ice cream every day. By the gallon. <laughs> By the gallon. By the quart. At Ted Drew's. You know, Ted Drew's really should give us something for the free <laughs> we would We wouldn't be opposed to it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. If you're listening, Ted... Because uh, I think he's a good Lutheran type. Yeah, 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 sure. sure. Okay. Well, can, we don't I care. Know, he can I be a good Catholic. Family, we don't folks. care. When it comes to ice cream, we're not particular. <laughs> yes. Frozen <laughs> right. custard is frozen custard. Baptist, you know, Methodist, we don't care. You're not a Church of Christ. you got good custard, we love you. So <laughs> I, I, I want to finish some up real quick from last week because okay. we got we might need to talk about the devil. We can't leave him out. That's a key subject. Oh, yeah, it, that's and, what and we're talking about next. Yeah. And he's a season of Lent here. We don't want to leave the devil out. Uh, um, but so we were talking about Malachi, and, and again, the, the point I was making about Malachi is that Malachi is speaking to a people who are disappointed, who who pictured the return of the great kingdom of Israel, and what they got instead was, well, they got to worship, they get to make their sacrifices, but they have no power, they have no great government, they don't even have their own king, uh, they are troubled by the uh, people surrounding them, uh, which I suppose is maybe why they started marrying into these foreign nations, because, mm-hmm. you know, the old saints, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, but it just wasn't the messianic kingdom they uh, had promised. And and then, Matt, could you read again the, what Malachi says to them? Malachi makes a very beautiful statement to these people who are struggling with the fact things aren't working out as they planned, which, as I shared last week, that's happening in, in Linda, my wife, and, and the, the lives of people that we love and care for. But go ahead. What did, what did Malachi yeah, say? chapter 3. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. 
But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. So, so the, the, the thing that, that Malachi says to these people is the reason the Messianic kingdom isn't come is because the Messiah hasn't come. <laughs> okay, that's mm-hmm. the problem. We, we can't have the kingdom until the Messiah arrives. And, and of course, you've got this beautiful promise that he'll be, have a forerunner. Uh, read, read Malachi 4, 5, too, because yeah. Malachi makes a big point about there's someone who comes before the Messiah. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And, and 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 that of course is referring to who John the Baptist, right? So so we know this has been fulfilled. In fact, the New Testament explicitly uses these passages in Malachi to say, "Yeah, John the Baptist was the forerunner, the one who will prepare the mm-hmm, way." Mm-hmm. Which means that if we have the forerunner, then who else do we have, Matt? Well, then we have the one he's running ahead of, right? Yeah, Jesus, the Messiah, the King. And 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 what's striking about Malachi, and, and for all of us who are struggling with plans that haven't worked out the way we thought they should be, the thing about about the one who comes, is that he's the purifier. See, that's what the Messianic kingdom is about. It's not about us being happy. And, and I don't think there's anything sinful, do you, Matt, in, in making plans that you would be happy? No. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the plan of God. Uh, like I said, Lynn and I had this plan where it would just be Lynn and me in our little bungalow. And I'm thinking, that's not the plan of God. <laughs> if that's about, if it's all about our happiness, we might as well just die and go to heaven. <laughs> then we'll be happy. Mm-hmm. No, the plan is that we would love and care for people. Uh, and, and even as he took away uh, the love and care that we did for parishes and for the school and was principal at Oakville, now he's given us more personal people to love and care for. And that was always the plan. <laughs> yeah. all right? It might not have been our plan, but it was his plan. Uh, and, and therefore, that's what we need. We need a Messiah who comes and purifies us because we are we are sinful people. Uh, uh, and, and you know what? Here's Malachi. It's the last word of God to the people of Israel. There will be no more words of God until the word of God shows up. And he's not the Messiah, Messiah they planned for either, was it? He wasn't the one they were looking for. But by golly, he was the one they needed. Uh, the one who would come and bring them forgiveness of sins, suffer and die on the cross. He's the one we needed, the one that comes and purifies us for all of our lack of love and our lack of faith, and then rises again so we can understand. We, we don't need any more ties, Matt. We don't need any more sacrifices. No, we don't need to do anything. It's all been done for us by Jesus Christ, and now it's just a matter of loving the way he loved us. Could we wrap it up with one final passage, Malachi 3.17? Sure. Because this is a word of hope to everybody out there who right now your plans aren't working the way you plan. But please understand, no, no, the Messiah, he's been here, he did what was necessary to forgive us, to purify us, and he's coming back again. Don't you ever forget that. And when he comes back, yeah, it'll be better than anything you've ever planned. But just this last passage, please. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. And I just love that, because here's the fact, 
you and all your struggles and all your trials, you still are the Lord's. You are mine, says the Lord. And and you are his treasured possession. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but you are. You're his treasured possession. And here's the thing. He's going to spare us, not because we deserve to be spared. No, no, we don't. I just, I kick myself because I got these people and I just love these people and I care for them. And what an opportunity I've had to have them with me and to give them that love and care. No, no, I'm a sinner, but I will be spared for the sake of the one, the son that God has already sent, Jesus Christ. So anyway, that's just what I wanted to share about Malachi. No, that's great, John. Um, you know, and the, the people of Israel during this time, you know, they when they want to make themselves pure, not be taken over again, right? Yeah. During this time and the time before uh, John the Baptist arrives, they start to to look to themselves. They start oh, to yeah. Sadducees and Pharisees are formed, these different groups, and it's about well, we need to follow the law really, really well, maybe as of our own laws, so that we don't get taken over again and we purify ourselves. And I love how you bring up, uh, no, it's it's we're purified by someone else. <laughs> we can't do it ourselves, but it's this one who is to come who's going to bring that purity to us and, and that's a perfect that's a perfect analogy isn't it because you're right because they turned inward they turned to their own works uh, uh and then the baptist comes and says well no no here's what you needed to yeah, do that's what you needed to yep. do all along just repent yep. and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins that was always the plan in the program and now that day of the lord has arrived and it is arrived for you and me too so now you wanted to talk about the devil <laughs> yeah john let's talk about the devils <laughs> I don't know if I like the way you said that. Yeah, John, yeah. let's talk about the devil. Uh, yeah, let's do that. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, like you mentioned, we're in the season of Lent. And yeah. sometimes in the season of Lent, we uh, we have some uh, devil-type uh, talk. Well, yeah. One Uh-oh. second, oh, I no, dropped my no. papers. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's a sign. All right, hold on. Well, yeah, it starts okay, It starts the whole thing with the devil, doesn't it? The very first Sunday in, in Lent is always about the temptation of the yeah, devil. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I think as we, we jump into this, I think the first thing to acknowledge is just, uh, well, hey, the devil's real. Yes, yeah, thank you. I know that thank sounds you. very yeah. obvious. No, no. But it doesn't for a lot of people. Yeah, but I, it is absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I have the opportunity to to teach in our school, Word of Life, to teach religion class occasionally, and... One of the things that that I did, I just asked the fifth grade students in Mrs. Maxfield's fifth grade class, what are some questions that you have about faith and life ah. and, and things in general? And so I had them in this piece of paper with uh, just numbered one, two, three, three questions. And these kids are writing down questions and, and all of a sudden they're running out of paper. Can I have more paper? So they have so many questions. Yeah. But we, I, I went through their questions and the one that kept coming up again and again was, is the devil real? And if so, who is he? Yeah. What does he do? Yeah. And I, I would imagine a lot of adults had that question. Uh, in fact, I, I looked up a, a Gallup poll in uh, 2016 <laughs> about uh, the devil. Is the devil real? They ask Americans that. Roughly 60% of Americans said, well, yeah, I think that the devil's real. Yeah. The other 40% said there's no devil or I'm, I'm really not sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but it, it, the devil is happy about the 40%. Yeah. Because those people don't believe in him. And if you don't believe in him, well, then you're not on guard against him, right? You're not coming to word and sacrament to, to be protected from him, right? So, yeah, to not believe in the devil, to disbelieve that his, in his existence, boy, that's uh, that's exactly what Satan wants, at least here in America, it seems, for us to just ignore him and think that, no, well, we don't really have to worry about him. So, so here's what's cool about the devil, because he truly is the most crafty of all creatures, uh, because 
because on the one hand, yeah, if if he can get you not to believe in him, like you said, then then he can do everything, and and you're not worried about it. You're not uh, conscious of this, not concerned about uh, fending off the fiery arrows that he has aimed at you. Yeah. And yet, on the other hand, throughout our history here in the United States, you have these periods of occultism. Where all of a sudden the devil and those whole spirit world seems to be so real, and you got movies like The Exorcist, and yep. people are scared because that's the flip side. Well, if, if if he can't get you not to believe in him, then he wants you to believe in him as some terrible, horrible power that cannot be overcome. And so you really better be worried about me, but don't go to God because God isn't going to help you at all. No, no, I'm just all full of, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Exactly. Yeah. So he's really clever. Either way, he's going to try to make it work his way. Whatever tactic he can use yeah. and and it may be different for different cultures and at different times but yeah good point but his, his goal is to destroy and deceive that was his goal with adam and eve in genesis the opening chapters there it's his goal still today just to destroy and deceive us yeah. right every listener out there that's his goal and he'll do it by any means possible yeah, you know I, I don't mean to interrupt you but i'm going to anyway uh, uh it occurs to me if you don't believe in the devil though <clears throat> and you look at the evil in the world around you, then you've only got one of two choices. One, it's just a thing of fluke and accident, so there's no rhyme or reason to anything, or that it's all God's fault. Yep. And, and, and as uh, I think we pointed out a couple episodes again, my, my wife pointed out, you know, in that parable about the, the evil that's in the world, uh, the answer is quite clear. The enemy did this. That then When they ask the master, what's all this evil doing out there? And he says, the enemy did this. At, at the devil is the source of everything that's evil and wicked out there. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So I I want to look at uh, the, the Gospel of Luke chapter four. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So this is Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And I, I didn't I think, know we were going to use the Bible. I, I, no. Yeah. Surprise. This is kind of new. Uh, <laughs> The this is the temptation of the wilderness. I think it's a, a pretty familiar account to many. Okay, um, it, it comes up a number of times in the Gospels, so we can kind of maybe you know quickly go over this you know, the, this account here, and, and it almost you know I kind of liken it to uh, almost a chess match in some ways. You know, ah, playing, yes. playing chess with the devil here. Uh, Jesus <laughs> is in the wilderness. No, and, they they uh, don't play chess, do they? Don't they? They're playing. I know it's an old game. I don't something. know if it's this old the game of chess, uh, but. Yeah, so so here's, again, Jesus' temptation. And I want to listen to especially uh, the, the devil again and again makes moves against Jesus. How does he counter his attacks? How okay. does Jesus do All that? Right. So so let's let's take a look at that. Um, so uh, Tell go, me go ahead, John. Uh, well, let's go uh, to verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3. The devil said to him, that is Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread, which makes perfect sense. He's been, what, 40 days there yeah, in the wilderness yeah. without eating? Why not? Why You're the son of God. That's right. Why should you be hungry? You want to read the answer then, too? Now then, Jesus, what's his, uh, what is his defense here? He counter moves. It yeah. is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Okay. Now, all right. There we go. Okay. Well, let's, let's do the next one. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And again, isn't this what Jesus wanted? Oh, well, yeah. 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 Well, so, yeah. So, you know, well, the devil is you know, acting as though you know, this is all his to give. Uh, as <laughs> well, he that might his, be a problem. Makes there. this other move, right? Yeah. Uh, but And Jesus, what's his defense? What does he counter? Attack? And, and Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. All right, good. Okay, so one more. One more move here. Here we go. Devil's and, trying and to get a, Jesus in check. 
and G, or the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, uh, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. All right, thanks. So so we're looking at, you know, what is Jesus' winning strategy here, yeah. okay? Uh, the devil makes three big moves against Jesus, and each time Jesus has the exact same defense. Yes, And yes. what's the defense? It is written. It is written, yeah. It goes back to the Old Testament scriptures. It goes back to God's word every single time. And every single time, well, it works. You know, Jesus has won, right? <laughs> um, imagine that. Uh, so just when you think he's in check, nope, uh, he's, he, he gets out through the word of God. But what I really wanted to focus our attention on today, John, is that last line that's that's here in Luke's gospel in particular. Ah, okay. After all this yes, takes place. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. In and, verse and, uh, 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. And here's the phrase I think you're going for, until an opportune time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever preached on that or thought about that I have that preached phrase? about that, yeah. I think that's this, you know, until an opportune time. If you think the game is over with chess against the devil, think again. <laughs> and, you know, of course, that's just a metaphor, right? Because this is about more than just winning or losing a game of chess. This is about the salvation of the world, right? Um, so until an opportune time. So the devil does not let up on Jesus. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, we see these different opportune times where the devil pops up yep. and tries to, to make another move against Jesus to deter him from what he's came to come to do. So, uh, yeah. So can you think of any opportune times? I, how about how about that time when he was telling the disciples that he was going to uh, suffer and die? That's good. Would that be one of those opportune times? Suffer, die, and rise, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, don't forget uh, that. And then, yeah, one of his disciples, Peter, uh, it seems as though he's being used as a pawn of Satan, Mm -hmm. to continue the chess metaphor, takes Jesus aside, rebukes him. You know, this isn't going to happen. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Peter. No, get behind me, Satan, Satan, right? An opportune time. Another one that came to mind is the the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Oh, yep, 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 yep. Oh, boy, talking about an opportune time. Jesus knows what he's about to suffer, the death, the the burying, the sins of the world. Sweating blood seems as though literally, as Luke describes it. And, uh, you know, an opportune time for Satan to, again, distract, deter Jesus from going to the cross. But Jesus stays the course, does the will of the Father. Yep, not my will, but thy will be done. Exactly. And then I think another opportune time was... At the cross itself, Ooh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. As people are there at the foot of the cross, and it seems as though Satan is working through them to throw up the very same temptation that he did in the wilderness, those same words. If you are the Son of God, right? Same words yeah. we heard in the wilderness. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, if you exactly. are the Son of God, well, then, yeah. Jesus, you come down off the cross. Think about that temptation. How much Jesus probably wanted to come down off that cross. <laughs> yeah. I know I would. I'm going to come down place. and poke you on the yeah, nose. Know, really. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, but the, the, yeah, oh, yeah. Don't make me come down there. But the, uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, no. but Don't the, make me come down there. The suffering... <laughs> And the pain and the sins of the world being born, and yet Jesus remains on the cross exactly yeah. because he loves us. That's what he's come to do. He loves and, them. That's what's incredible. Yeah, I could come yeah. down now. I could sell your score right now, but no, I'm for dying your for sake, you. I'm not going to. That's Isn't right. that beautiful? Yeah. And out of obedience again to the Father, he hangs there on the yeah. cross. Um, so again, and, and really, I think it's there at the cross that the, the devil thinks he has 
Jesus in check. Yeah. Mate. And no, guess again, devil. This is this was all part of the plan of salvation. And and if you and if there's any doubt about that, after Jesus dies, he goes to hell to take a victory lap, rises from the dead <laughs> to prove right. that he is victorious. And then of course on the last day when he returns, as you talked about earlier, um, it's gonna be all for all to see that the victory is Jesus, that he is one, no doubt about it. So those different opportune times as Satan came and and every time Jesus overcame him during those opportune times. But then, of course, that got me thinking about us, John. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, are there opportune times in for, our lives oh, okay. for Satan to yeah. attack us, right? Yeah. And uh, I think most certainly so. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah, sometimes we're, our defenses are down. Uh, sometimes we're, uh, you know, maybe not in God's word, uh, whatever the case might be. And, and Satan takes advantage of those times. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about a time just briefly. I was my my 29th birthday, my yeah. 29th birthday. My 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 10th birthday <laughs> on the 29th of February yeah. coming up. So I I my license was about to expire, so I had to go guess where to the DMV. DMV. The oh my goodness. Office. Now there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity time. time for Satan. Yeah, you know, uh, having the right paperwork, staying in the long lines, this this deadline looming that you know, I'm not going to have a license if I don't get this um <laughs> renewed. And think about the temptations there to get angry and to uh lose patience and to think unkind thoughts about that person yeah, behind yep. the counter. That's an opportune time. But just, you know, other opportune times, times when we're despairing and we're at the lows in life, that's an opportune time. What we time. talked about earlier yeah. last week, yeah. Well, you know, but I think even the highs, oh, you know, those are yes. opportune times. When things are going great, John, and we have done a great job, and it's all because of me and an opportune time for Satan and our pride. Um, you know, I think of the... the he is crafty, isn't is, it? Is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He'll make it an opportune time. Exactly. You know, the stock market is going up and down right now. Um, and this temptation to trust in money too much and to trust in yeah. God too little, um, an opportune time. Uh, you and know, vice versa to despair because all of a sudden your stocks are worthless. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, sickness that you talked about, you know, um, yeah, yeah, an opportune time. Rather that we blame God rather than pray to God. But I, I think there's this beautiful verse here in, in 1 Corinthians 10 ah. um, where, where it has a promise for us. In, in the midst of those opportune times for Satan, God doesn't leave us defenseless. He says this, uh, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he'll provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure under it. And I think that, that perhaps that way of escape and temptation is the same way of escape that Jesus had. Yeah. Uh, the word of God. Yeah. The word of God. You know, the devil doesn't have a defense against God's word. Uh, the word of God, which is centered on the one who's the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, to stay in the word, to cling to that word uh, in the face of the devil's temptations. But I think that's such a beautiful promise from First Corinthians 10 because, you know, we are not the devil's pawn. No, no, uh, no. Uh, God promises he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He'll provide a way out. And that way out is the word, the word uh, and the word made flesh. Certainly Jesus Christ, our Savior. And, That's the way out. And, and what I, I what I really think is important about that passage is because a lot of people quote the first part of it, you know. Uh, but no, there are times when we are tempted beyond our ability. Yeah. You know, seriously, you know people, I know people right now that really the temptations are far stronger than anything they can could possibly handle. But like you said, there's the way out. There's the way out. And yeah. God is the one providing that yes. way out. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. what's beautiful. So, you know, I, thinking about chess again, you know, we play chess at home and I play our son Noah. And uh, we win. I win about 50% of the time. Oh, good. Maybe. 
maybe yeah, 40 he, 60 maybe more like yeah, that. He, me 40 he, no he, 60 he, he getting better and better he, he kind of told me he let you in because you cry a lot but that's okay that's not just between air, me and John. Oh, i'm All sorry right. okay but yeah. but with that's not the, the beautiful thing i just want to leave our listeners with yes. that's not how it is with god and satan it's not like Jesus wins sometimes, the devil wins other times. No, Jesus always wins. Yes, that's he, the thing. And, and yes. he, he has already won uh, 100%. And so we don't have to be in despair or wonder who's more powerful. No, Jesus has won uh, the victory in his death, his resurrection, and he gives that victory to you uh, through his word, through his promises. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you very much. Uh, we hope that this has been helpful to people who are struggling, people who are being tempted by the devil even as we speak. Uh, and uh, we pray God uses our words because this has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. basics.